0: What a gift. What a gift to be able to take a moment just to celebrate such things together. When we had our church planting Sunday last month, we mentioned that our lead pastor, Matt Rawlings, has been serving 10 other Acts 29 churches in South Carolina by caring for their pastors. That's primarily through phone calls and uh, retreats a couple times a year that they have together, Um, but one of the pastors in particular has uh, just been going through some challenges the last couple months, and midweek this week asked if Matt could preach at their church today. So, this was not our original plan for this morning, but we have no doubt that it was God's. So, Before we begin our time together, I want to pray for Matt and those he is serving and for our time together. Would you pray with me? Lord, you know exactly what each church and each person needs. I pray that you would use Matt to encourage and strengthen today, to clarify and build on your sure foundation folks there don't need Matt, they need more of you, would you make your presence known among them, and would you do the same here, because we need you just as much, oh, we pray in your great name, Jesus, amen. Well, because of the late change of plans, I ended up talking to the uh, guys yesterday about football at the men's breakfast, so I can move the message I was originally planning to share with them to today. That's why we're not back in Second Peter this morning. We'll pick that up again when I speak in two weeks. This morning, you can begin to open your Bibles to Exodus chapter 33. I want us to ask this question what is the distinguishing mark of today's church? What does our society see when it looks at the church? If they are neutral in disposition towards us, they, they might view the church as well meaning people who have some odd beliefs. But well, let's face it. Not many folks are neutral about much of anything today. Cynics might see the American church as largely hypocritical and marked by scandal. It's hard to deny that throughout our history there are numerous high profile ugly marks on the record of the church. Recently it seems that the evangelical church is known primarily as shorthand for certain political views followers of a particular candidate, for holding unthinking or anti-scientific views on issues such as the environment and evolution, or antiquated perspectives on sexual identity. The recent leak of the Supreme Court draft related to Roe v. Wade has many currently up in arms against churches seeking to suppress women. And reproductive rights some activists encouraging protests and even vandalism in churches what should distinguish the people of god within the church itself debates have been contentious the past couple of years not between the mode of baptism or the nature of salvation but between masks and no masks Vaccines, racial reconciliation, and anti wokeness, nationalism, and immigration, among other issues. Sadly, church historian Mark Knoll has accurately noted much of what is distinctive about American evangelicalism today is not essential to Christianity. The church should stand out. It should be distinct from the rest of society. Our mission is not one of popularity or even necessarily respect in the culture or power in the government. Now, God may temporarily grant those things for a season, but those things will always be fleeting to the people of God. The Jerusalem church was under threat from authorities. What they were preaching was deemed contrary to hundreds of years of religious tradition. Yet, day by day, God was adding to their number those that were being saved. Was it not because, as Paul stated in 1 Corinthians 14, that the church was recognized as a people Of whom it could be declared, God is really among you. I want to consider that as a distinguishing mark of God's people by looking at a much earlier example this morning. Let's begin reading at the beginning of Exodus chapter 13. The Lord said to Moses, depart, go up from here, you and the people whom you have brought up out of the land of Egypt, to the land of which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, to your offspring I will give it. I will send an angel before you, and I will drive out the Canaanites, the Amorites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Go up to a land flowing with milk and honey. But I will not go up with you. I will not go up among you lest I consume you on the way. For you are a stiff-necked people. Pause there for a moment. And just think about the situation here. If God said, I've got someone I'm sending to be with you that will guide you, that will protect you, set you up with a good job, in a place of prosperity, that might seem like you'd won the lottery. Right? Right? I mean, if God promised an angel would lead you, that would seem like a pretty amazing deal, wouldn't it? Especially if we're aware of the context this is taking place in. This conversation is a follow-up. If you look back in chapter 32, what's going on is Israel making the golden calf when Moses seems to be taking too long up on the mountain receiving the Ten Commandments. The offer of an angel to lead and guide is generous anytime. But especially when God could have just as easily said, that's it, you're done. No more Israel. continue in verse 4 when the people heard this disastrous word they mourned and no one put on his ornaments for the Lord had said to Moses say to the people of Israel you are a stiff necked people if for a single moment I should go up among you I would consume you So now take off your ornaments that I may know what to do with you. Therefore the people of Israel stripped themselves of their ornaments from Mount Horeb onward. God offered an angel to Israel and they took it as disastrous news. For the Israelites and for Moses, the blessings of God and the promises of God being separated From God Himself, His very presence was devastating news. Skip down to verse 12. Moses said to the Lord, See, you say to me, bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name, and you have also found favor in my sight. Now, therefore, if I have found favor in your sight, please show me now your ways that I may know you in order to find favor in your sight. Consider, too, that this nation is your people. God said, my presence will go with you. And I will give you rest. Moses said to him, If your presence will not go with me, do not bring us up from here. For how shall it be known that I have found favor in your sight, I and your people? Is it not in your going with us so that we are distinct? I and your people from every other people on the face of the earth Moses pleaded with God not to go through on the disastrous word that he had given to them a promised land and a guiding angel were not enough His presence alone separated them from all the other people on the face of the earth. They didn't want to move an inch if He wasn't going with them. Is that how we feel? Is that how we think about God? We live in the most prosperous nation on the face of the earth. We enjoy luxuries and benefits never before experienced in the history of the world. Is God just the cherry on top of an already pretty good life? Or is he the only thing really worth having? Do we even care if we meet with God when we gather? Are we just hoping for something helpful or inspirational for our week? To feel a little better coming out than we did coming in? Worse, are are we just putting in time? That's what we do on Sundays till lunchtime. Putting in time so God will love us. Other people might think well of us is gathering together a spiritual activity or just a bunch of us meeting up at the same place and time? Moses said, is it not your going with us that makes us distinct? Distinct from every other people on the face of the earth. Now, this is a nation that God has already rescued, freeing them from 400 years of slavery in Egypt. He's still promising them a land filled with milk and honey. Moses isn't asking for salvation here. God has already rescued them. He isn't asking them for material blessing. God has already promised that. But what Moses craves is an ongoing relationship and experience with God that is altogether different than what the rest of the world experiences. Here's our main idea this morning. God's people are marked by a dependence on God's presence. God's people are marked by a dependence on God's presence. Of course, when God said that he could not go with them lest he wipe them all out, he wasn't making idle threats. A couple months earlier, Israel had front row seats to God's might and power as he humbled and dismantled the mightiest nation in the world, with ten devastating plagues, including the death of every firstborn, before drowning their entire army in the Red Sea, this ungrateful, grumbling, calf-making nation deserved no better. Yet God agreed to remain with them. To lead them. To guide them. To give them rest. Because God was looking forward to a day when their sin would be dealt with in full. Not by wiping them out. But by the death of God the Son in their place. The ability to enjoy God's presence, without being consumed, is free for us. But it came at a great cost to God the Son. He is the reason they were not cut off then, and we are not cut off now. Hallelujah. What a Savior. And because we are not, but he was, nothing can now separate us from his love, from his commitment, from his presence. Not angels or demons, height nor depth, life or death. His presence was never deserved. was never earned. He willingly gave himself to and for his people. He rescued and redeemed so he can have a people enjoying his presence forever. Being with him is the point. He is the prize. He is what we are saved to. There is one author put it everything minus Jesus equals nothing. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Despite being first-hand witnesses to the plagues brought their release from Pharaoh, personally walking on dry ground through the Red Sea, getting their daily sustenance from this heavenly bread, manna. You and I experience a greater intimacy and depth with God, God with us, than any of them ever knew. A cloud led them by day, but he didn't dwell within each of them. He empowered a couple of craftsmen to construct the tabernacle, but not each person in their daily lives or for the building of the entire community. God spoke to Moses, and then Moses passed on his message to the people. Each of us are able to hear And discern the voice of our good shepherd. Jesus even declared to his disciples that it was to their advantage that he depart so he could send them his Holy Spirit. The one that would dwell with each of them continually. So what does it look like for us to display dependence upon His presence when He already dwells within us? I want us to take the rest of our time looking at three ways. The first, we can display our dependence on His presence by building the body, by exercising our gifts. And we've been covering this since January in 1 Corinthians, so I'm not going to make much more than a mention of it here. As we said to the guys yesterday, this is an area where we're all needed in the game. The opportunity is broad. There are many roles to fulfill, many things that we can be doing, activities that God has given. As we looked at in 1 Corinthians 12, 4-6, Now there are varieties of gifts but the same Spirit. There are varieties of service but the same Lord. There are varieties of activities but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. His gifts at work in us, and through us, put His presence on display. That others might say, God really is among you. Shouldn't we be eager for such a testimony? Spiritual gifts are from the Spirit. Spiritual gifts aren't about us showing off, They're about us showing off God at work among us. I just want to say thank you. Thank you for praying with us. As one of our goals this year has been to pray weekly. That God would grow his gifts in us. As individuals. And as a congregation. Thank you for praying with us. And for taking steps as we've been going through this study of 1 Corinthians. To be challenged to take steps that stretch us. To ask for things we might not have asked for before. Even a desire that we might be eager for what God has to give us. For the building and strengthening of this body. For his testimony to be expanded where we are. Thank you for how you have joined with us in that pursuit. And if you currently, personally, are in a place where you're not eager, you're concerned, you're unsure, I just want to challenge you to pray. Pray that God would grow your desire within you. Pray that He would convince you. not our job, it's His work within you. The command to eagerly desire the gifts is given to us by the giver of the gifts. He's not reluctant to give them and He's not reluctant to give you the desire for them. It's His desire that you desire what He wants to give. We need His gifts for the building and strengthening of the church and our witness to the world. So let's ask Him. Let's continue to take steps, seek to be stretched, that He might be glorified and seen in our midst. Second thing we want to look at as a way to display our dependence on His presence is to appreciate the spiritual nature of the local body of Christ. This one's a little different. Do you you know the context of Paul's command, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God? It's in the midst of commands regarding how to relate to one another Within the body. Let's read in Ephesians four, verses twenty nine through thirty-two. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as good as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. How would we grieve him? Let all bitterness, and wrath, and anger, and clamor, and slander be put away from you, along with all malice, be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. What grieves the Spirit? According to the context, it's our sin against one another. Corrupting talk, bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, slander, malice, all these sins are directed at an object. Another brother or sister in Christ. It should not be so. Why is poor treatment against one another such an affront To the Holy Spirit, if we look a couple chapters earlier, we have our answer. Ephesians 2, verses 18 through 22. For through him, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Sins against the body are grievous to the spirit because he works to bind us to one another in the same way Jesus binds us with God himself. Making us one with him and with one another. The spirit dwells within each one of us as believers but he dwells in all of us together in a unique way. How we view and treat one another matters because we are being built together into a dwelling place for God by His Spirit. So, strife within the body is particularly grievous to His Holy Spirit. We are His home. Jesus prayed in John 17 that we would be one as he and the Father are one. That's a tall order. He also declared that our love for one another should be so unique that it identifies us as his disciples. The Spirit is actively working To bring. Jesus's prayer about. As he works in. And through each of us. Thank you. For the many ways you demonstrate. His love. In your relationships. Thank you for the ways. That as we heard again testified this morning. You greet and welcome. And are generous one to another. Putting his presence, his activity on display as we come together. May we always consider sacred what God considers sacred. May we value and protect this community that he has chosen to make his home. The third thing we want to look at this morning is to recognize and celebrate God's everyday work. I want us to acknowledge and appreciate his everyday work in our midst. In Romans chapter 3, Paul is building his case against mankind. In his masterful argument of why all humanity is alike together under the just judgment of God. And in need of the amazing good news of what Christ has accomplished for us. The first three chapters are just painting a picture of how Jew and Gentile alike are under judgment with the only remedy of Christ who has come for us. Paul's continuing to build his case in Romans 3 and he brings some scriptures from different parts of the Old Testament together here in verses 10 through 12 where he describes apart from God's intervening work in our lives, our condition. As it is written. None is righteous. No. Not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good. Not even one what do we bring to the table spiritually none is righteous no one understands no one seeks for God no one does good not even one so if we do any good Seek for God. Understand any spiritual thing rightly. Gain any righteousness. How do we do it? Only by the Spirit of God at work. The Counselor that leads us into all truth, who convicts the world of sin, makes us spiritually alive, applies Christ's work to us, comforts and corrects us, empowering us for good works, Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. They might seem like ordinary attributes, but Paul points out in Galatians 5 that each of these are the products of His activity in our lives. How did Jesus say it in John fifteen five? I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him... He it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Not apart from me, growth will be slower. Bearing fruit will take a lot more effort. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So if we see good fruit around us, people understanding and valuing God's word, asking questions, revealing they are seeking for God and His truth, guess what? God is at work. He is here among us. And I have to say, you are constantly putting His presence on display. His fingerprints are all over this body. What you have heard this morning is just a small taste from one family, from their first experience with you. God is at work. He's at work in us. He's at work through us. He is here. May we never take that for granted. He is actively building, leading, guiding, and growing His rescued people. Now, This list of three things is by no means meant to be an exhaustive list. We could certainly add things like prayer and specifically praying to be filled again with His Spirit like we see in Acts 4. But my primary aim is to challenge us to not think in merely human terms when we consider gathering with one another. To not, first and foremost, be concerned with what we feel like. Whether we feel like showing up on Sunday or going to care group this week. Let us anticipate God at work among us. Because if we aren't looking for it. We probably won't see it. But if we know what to look for. I'm confident we'll see him everywhere. Because our times together. Are more than just us being together. We like to remind ourselves. That when two or three are gathered in his name. He is there with them. So. Let's really expect to interact with Him. Let us consciously be dependent upon His presence as we prepare for our summer study. Don't just think about it as a way to study God's Word with a friend. Oh, that's wonderful in itself. But it's a weekly opportunity to encounter the author and revealer of God's Word together with a brother or sister. Sunday morning should have us anticipating interactions with God himself. Let us come together eager for a God encounter at care group on Wednesday nights. Looking for where he's working. Listening for how he's speaking. Mindful of how he might want to use us to build and strengthen and encourage those around us. Is our God real? Is He alive and active? Then let us ask Him to help us see Him at work every time we are together. I I really do hope you like some of the other people that are here that make up this body, but we need to share more than just our own thoughts and ideas and stories. We need an awareness of God among us. It Does't mean a cloud needs to descend or we hear his voice from a burning bush. He may do spectacular, miraculous things in our midst. But most often it will be a still small voice, a timely word, an encouragement that only God can speak to your heart. It will be conviction, an awareness of his forgiveness, being convinced of his love, the fact that because of Jesus, he is for us. A bigger view of him, a deeper love for him, a greater commitment to him and his body love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, appreciation for different parts of his body, displaying more of who he is and what he is like. He could have sent an angel. Most often he chooses to use these earthen vessels to make himself known and to put his glories on display. He speaks to us through his word and encourages and strengthens us through each other. Are we looking? Are we listening? Are we longing for that reality to be known among us? I have two prayer reminders pop up on my phone each Sunday morning as I... Prepare my heart for our time together. The first is our 2022 goal. To pray weekly for spiritual gifts. To be growing in myself and in our body. The second is a reminder to come hungry for God's presence. Eager to see His activity. To look for Him at work. Because if I'm not looking, I usually don't see. I don't celebrate. I don't give credit where credit is due. What we have here is so much greater than just a sum of the parts of who we are. What we are is a people where God is among us. So let us commit to serving one another in this area. When you see something good. When someone has understanding. Or helps you gain understanding. When you see someone seeking or hungering after God. When someone uses their gift. When someone builds up and strengthens someone else. When someone forgives. Instead of slanders. When someone draws near instead of isolating when speech is used for instruction or care or encouragement, and we see fruit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, let's encourage the person. And let's give thanks to God. Point it out. Celebrate it. Let us strengthen one another with these sightings of God at work, God in our midst. Let us be marked by a dependence upon His presence because we have something unique among all the peoples on the face of the earth. God is really among us. Let's pray. Lord, when Peter made his good confession of you, that you were the Christ, the Son of God, you declared, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, Simon, but my Father in heaven. May we likewise be looking for and celebrating your presence and activity among us. Lord, we need you would you give us eyes to see and would you give us hearts to respond and to celebrate for our encouraging and strengthening for the lost around us that need to see you and for your glory, we pray this. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you. Thank you for how you do put him on display. Would God help us to grow in our awareness, to grow in our anticipation, to grow in our celebration of his work among us day by day that we might glorify him more. Thank those who have served us in Grace Kids. We look forward to being together in small groups this week. If you don't have a group We'd love to help get you connected to one. You can see us. There's a little area out in the lobby that tells different folks and where they meet. And we look forward to being together next Sunday and sharing a, a picnic afterwards. Uh, just a reminder, bring your blankets, bring your lawn chairs, things like that so that you have a place to sit and enjoy our time together and we can extend the fellowship that we have. You are dismissed.